Well, hey there, welcome to another episode of the Simple Home Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna, and I'm excited to chat with you this week. Now, real quick before we dive into the episode today, I wanted to remind you about the Simple Home Decluttering Challenge. It's a totally free challenge, and I think it might be really beneficial during this time right now where a lot of us are at home, either out of work because of what's going on with the coronavirus or working from home or whatever that might look like, you may have some extra time on your hands. And so this might be a great way to get started with decluttering some areas in your home. It's super quick each day. I just send you five little audio clips in your email to help you get started in a new area each day. So it's called the Simple Home Decluttering Challenge. And you can sign up for free by going to athomewithkids.com forward slash declutter challenge. And you can just get signed up and you'll get those emails and then let me know how it goes because I'd love to hear from you on how that's going. You can just respond right to the emails there and let me know your progress. Okay, so for today's episode, I got to interview Diane Bowden, who is the host of the Minimalist Moms podcast. And she talks to moms about simplifying and minimalism and very similar topics to what I talk about on this podcast. And I asked her to come on the show today because she is very well versed in getting rid of sentimental items. And I know a lot of us struggle with that. That's kind of where we get hung up when we're trying to declutter. And so I wanted to bring someone on to give you their perspective on how to go about this. So she shares some great tips on how to declutter your sentimental items and kind of some ways to go about it. And she also goes into detail about kind of where she started with minimalism, how she got started and why, and then some other great tips for just getting started in general. So just decluttering and simplifying your life and how that looks for her and how she helps others do the same. So I'm excited about this interview. We had a wonderful conversation and kind of, you know, went different directions at certain points, but I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation and get a ton out of it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Diane. Well, hi, Diane. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation as well. Can you tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself before we get started with the interview? Yeah, so my name is Diane Bowden. I'm a host of the Minimalist Moms podcast, but my more significant job significant jobs are that I'm a mother of three and I live in Columbus, Ohio. And as I said, my main job right now would mostly be probably stay at home mom, but I do have a little photography side hustle that I do as well. And I don't know, I guess if you were to dive deeper and just things that I like, I really love coffee. I love being outside. I love reading. I love podcasts and I do love simplicity and simple living. So that's kind of how the podcast came about. And I am just pursuing that kind of lifestyle with my family now. Awesome. Well, yeah, I always love chatting with you because I think we have very similar, similar backgrounds and similar, we both do photography, just similar interests. So it's always fun to kind of get your take on some things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember that from our conversation on my podcast that we had a lot in common. So that is fun. Yeah. So can you tell us about your journey to kind of simplifying or living this more simple life with your family and maybe how it has changed or impacted your life along the way? 
Absolutely. So I would say that I was quite the opposite of a minimalist in my, it's kind of bizarre to say that I was not a minimalist in my late teens and early twenties, because it seems like you're just a child then. But anyways, I would just say that I was quite the opposite <laughs> of that. At that point. So I just felt like I needed a new outfit every time that I would go to church or at least have a new top that I would wear. And I hated wearing the same combination of clothing more than once. I guess I would be I would be what they call a shopaholic. So I just wanted the newest, shiniest things. And so um, I guess when I met my husband, there was a moment, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but we were in my parents' basement and we were looking for something. And he looked at me and said, look at all these things that are now in boxes that were once your dad's hard-earned work hours. So he said that to me and we had a discussion after that of just what our intent would be moving on as a family. We knew we wanted the kids one day. And so basically it was that moment that set that we started focusing on the fact that we wanted experiences. And I always pay to have, I don't want to throw my dad under the bus and my mom under the bus because those were enjoyable memories that I'm sure that they had wrapped up in some of those boxes of things that we once enjoyed. But it was just more of a aha moment to say we would rather put the emphasis of our money and what we're spending on experiences long term and saving up for those experiences or just memberships. Just We just started having a dialogue at that point. So I was, like I said, 22 when that happened. And Basically, I'd say that my journey of minimalism has just kind of looked like simple foods and meals, routines and structures of the week. Basically, with my clothing, I've I've not quite gotten to a capsule wardrobe, but I've definitely condensed it. And I, with my kids especially, I share um, clothing with families, um, with other family members. So I do a lot of hand-me-downs. And for both of my sons, I've honestly... I've purchased very little for both of them because I've just borrowed from friends and family there. So that's been really nice. And then just like a lot of time spent outside and um, like I said, slow living. And prior to getting on the call with you, I was saying how I feel like the last couple of months, I haven't been living that lifestyle as much as normal. And now that we're in this period of quarantine, I have just so appreciated the simple, slow moments with my family of taking family walks together and sitting around the dinner table every night. And those were, like I said, things that I've always believed the last 10 years, but I just haven't been practicing as much. So it's been kind of a, another aha moment. I'll say that I've had one when I'm 31 to <laughs> um, kind of change my path yet again. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Being at home so much right now and just, you know, watching what all the different families are doing and just having this opportunity, which it's really a gift to have this time, has really made me focus more on that too. And sometimes I don't realize that I'm not living as simply as I want to until, you know, I'm kind of forced to slow down a little bit. So I absolutely agree with that 100%. So one area that often stops people when decluttering um, is getting rid of sentimental items. And I know that you talk about this a lot and kind of have some expertise in this area. So I wanted to chat with you a little bit about that today to help some of our listeners who struggle in that area. Why do you feel like some items are so much harder for us to let go of? So I would say in regards to sentimental items that they're just 
obviously saturated in memories for us. And so I think it's difficult to detach yourself from the memory that's wrapped up within the item. And so instead we just don't deal with it because it's too hard to address, I guess, maybe why we're keeping those items. And so I would say that I think that we have to remember the connection, I guess, between our brain and the item and then slowly start condensing from there. Yeah, I think that when we think about sentimentality, we have to consider it as an emotion. And so I would just say to pause to consider what emotion it is that is kind of tugging on you. And a lot of the time, it's not necessarily a positive emotion, it's negative. And so if you're holding on to items specifically that are negative, I would just say, why? Why are you allowing that weight to be on you? And I think that there are many different paths, I guess, that we could take in regards to getting rid of these items. You may have to have someone else come in and help you do it. Or I was um, sharing an example not long ago on a podcast of um, an item specifically for me that I was having negative uh, associations with. It was basically just some photos of maybe a more partying stage in my life that doesn't really describe who I am and what I how I've been living my life for the last 10 to 12 years. And those photos, whenever I'd go back and see them, it would just, I would be brought back to that moment that I didn't really like. And so I finally just threw them all away. And I know some people are hesitant to want to throw photographs away because we want our kids to see who we were in the past. But to me, I do have some other photos from that time. So it's, it, it, there was no point in hanging on to all these photos from a time that I had a negative uh, mindset around. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the hardest things when we talk about sentimental items. I think people think, well, I'm holding on to it because of the memories and they don't think how it's making them feel now. <laughs> and so I love that you brought that up because it is often, even I think about like clothing, a lot of people that I talk to have a hard time getting rid of clothing and it's mm. not because it make them feel really good. It's because they want to feel like they did when they wore it then, but now it makes them feel bad because they don't fit into it or they live a different lifestyle or maybe they're not as athletic or they bought a treadmill and you know they never, never use it so they don't wear those leggings anymore or whatever it is. But I agree with you, the negative emotions weigh us down and we don't often kind of step back and, and realize which emotions we're feeling in order to allow ourselves to kind of let go of those items. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, Another just quick example I was thinking of, I'm sitting in my closet as we record this. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> clothes. I think that you're right with clothes. We do have possible negative emotions wrapped up in it, but it also could just be the negative emotion of, hey, I spent money on this and I've never worn mm -hmm. this. And it's hard for me to get rid of this because I've, I, I don't want to waste the money. But the thing is you already have wasted that money. You've it's, it's already gone. You, you can't do anything about it. So I think that that's when you have to get realistic with yourself about, um, what is rational, what is logical in the moment. And that's kind of hard to pull yourself out of and be mindful in that moment. But I think that once you start practicing it more often, it really does become second nature. Cause I, like I said, this never used to be something that I would ever consider even 10 years ago. And it's, it, I mean, 10 years is a long, short time, depending on how you look at it, but it, it becomes a lot easier as you are more mindful about what's realistic. Yeah. And I think to piggyback on that a little bit, when we do allow ourselves to get rid of those things that we spent money on, 
and realize that those are a sunk cost already, what we're doing is we're, we're learning from it at that point and we will be less likely to go forward and buy something that we don't need. Whereas if we just keep it and hold on to it, we really don't associate the lesson and you know yeah. we don't kind of internalize it and move forward from that. So I agree with you. Sometimes it's so hard to get rid of things, especially if you're trying to save money and you realize you've spent it on things you shouldn't, but it is important to just give yourself some grace and, and let it go. Cause you can't do anything about it now. <laughs> and if it makes you feel better, maybe and before you thrift it or you send, you take it to the thrift store, you could try and sell it if you want to make a little bit of money. But I would just say in regards to selling something, make sure that it's worth your time because if you're selling an old shirt for $5, but you're also having to mesh it to the person and meet someone and it just, it ends up not being worth your $5. Your time is worth more than that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I fall into that trap sometimes. And I have just realized that a lot of things should just be donated to another family that can use them because it's a lot of work to, to get the money back for a couple dollars anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what do you feel like um, with the people that you've worked with in this area or chatted with about this, what do you feel like some items are that really are the most problematic for people when it comes to being sentimental or having emotional attachments? So I would say for mothers specifically, I would say that your children's artwork or really anything associated with your children can be really difficult to part with any items from babyhood. And then I would say for maybe after your children are grown or people without children, I would say items from the past. Um, so whether that's your grandmother's jewelry or the China that your mother had at her wedding. So I think it's these items from the past that we don't want to get rid of or donate or pass on because again, it, that emotion, the emotional pull is very strong. Oh, another thing would be people, items from people that have passed away. That would be mm -hmm. one that's is obviously very difficult to start working and working your way through and sorting. So if we're talking about, let's go back to the moms and the thing that they're struggling with in regards to their children's childhood or the children's artwork. For me, children's artwork, I, for my five-year-old, I'll take pictures of it. And the very special things I will save on the fridge for a period of time and then take a photo of it. But all all of those photos I take and I upload them to Shutterfly and every year I print out a scrapbook for our family. So specifically in our scrapbook, I have a few pages dedicated to all of Charlotte's artwork, artwork and therefore we have the evidence that she made these pieces. However, they're not taking up a bunch of space in our home. Um, that said, I think that it's important to have a box for each one of your children and maybe some of those like I said really special pieces you can put in the box for each of your children but I would say sentimental storage needs to be limited because then you end up with that basement full of things and I would say as your children grow to have them start giving their save what's in there um, maybe have a box for yourself too because maybe they don't want their old ballet uniform but you want to hold on to that so <laughs> put that in your own first box. But yeah, I would say that for the artwork specifically, I just upload that and I take a photo of it. And that way we're not having all of this children's artwork laying around. Yeah, I love that. And I also, I also always just love that 
you can enjoy it at that point. You know, if you put it into a scrapbook that you guys can actually look at, then you get to enjoy it again. Whereas if it just ends up in a box somewhere or, you know, in a pile of papers on our desk, because let's be honest, that's where a lot of paperwork ends up, whether it's, you know, just a week old or two years old, you get kind of this pile going, you're never going to enjoy it again. So I love that idea that you take a picture of it and then you can just have it in those family scrapbooks that you can look back at and what an easy way for your kids to look back at their artwork too. Mm -hmm. And then in regards to the baby clothes, this is actually something I'm struggling with right now because I just had my third child and we don't intend on having any more. And so I've been slowly purging and going through because I knew that I wouldn't need the hand-me-downs anymore, but I'm now trying to figure out, okay, what's my favorite of the outfits? Which ones do I really want to keep if we have maybe an oopsie baby or I want to pass along? So just because I do have this podcast or I've been seen to have this minimalist platform or whatever, I, it doesn't mean that I don't still struggle with condensing things that are hard, especially, like I said, sentimentality, those types of items are much more difficult than just things in my kitchen that I don't have that much of an attachment to. <laughs> but also with the the baby items, I think that when you can see, I will mostly donate some of those items to places around my town that I know really need them. So shelters for women that are pregnant or we have um, pregnancy decision, it's called PDHC, it's the Pregnancy Decision Healthcare Center. So those women are also looking for baby things. So when I know that it's really going to somewhere that's benefiting others, it kind of helps me a little bit with those emotions I have attached. So that's another idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's helpful. I know this is kind of a tangent, but I think that's helpful for our kids too. Like I notice when they're trying to get rid of sentimental items, if they're giving it to a friend of ours or a little cousin or, you know, somebody that they actually know, it's so much easier for them to say, okay, I can get rid of this stuffed animal, even though I loved it, because I know that so-and-so is going to have it and love it too. So I think that works both ways for adults and for kids when it comes to things that we're really emotionally attached to. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And um, like I said, I guess if we want to talk a little bit more about decluttering sentimental items, one of my tips is to use it up. And so display that china and then allow your children to use the toys and dolls from your childhood. I know my parents have saved Cabbage Patch dolls of mine and mm -hmm. I let Charlotte use those because I think that's really sweet and I'm not sure if they'll make it to when she has children, but at this point I really do like her having that Cabbage Patch doll. I love that idea because you don't really think about that. Like your parents saved you these things and you kind of feel like you have to keep them in pristine you know, condition, but allowing our kids to actually enjoy them, you know, what better use is there really? So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Using it up, that whole tip, that whole idea is just, we have to remember that too. Cause I think even with like things that aren't necessarily sentimental, we won't use our perfume that we get that was somewhat expensive because we're like, Oh, we want to preserve it for the nice moments. But then you end up kind of forgetting about it or maybe in a couple of years when you've come back to it, you don't care for that scent anymore. So I think that if you are going to be purchasing something, you should always have the intention to use it. And you can always, with the perfume that you like, I said, if, I, if you are using it, you can always buy more if you run out of it. With the grandmother's china or grandmother's jewelry, I would say that if you have a lot of your grandmother's jewelry, maybe choose a few pieces that are very special to you and then wear them. Um, I, 
and then the rest that you can donate. Um, I think that when we, well, another mantra that I kind of like to use is if everything's your favorite, nothing's your favorite. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we start feeling sentimental to all of these different things, then it kind of devalues what, what is really sentimental. Does that make sense? I tell that to my daughter all the time, like not everything can be your favorite because then everything has lesser value. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I also love the idea of just choosing your favorites and actually wearing them like the jewelry from your grandma, because like you were saying, I mean, you really do have to not just wear it out, but enjoy it. You know, you've got to use it and, and enjoy what you've got. And, and then you're, you're kind of living the sentiment, you know, you're feeling those positive emotions, you're connected to your grandma or whoever it was, instead of it just sitting there in a box or, you know, taking up space. And then we already kind of discussed giving it to someone in need, how beneficial that can be for both, both parties involved. And then uh, limiting sentimental storage. And then just remembering that having the memory is more precious than the thing. So there might be some things that you do need to part ways with, but you have that memory. That memory is not going to be taken away from you. And I think that, again, if we get realistic and rational, that it's easier to slowly start getting rid of some of those things. And like I said, some of these things, if you have a loved one that's passed, that is so much easier said than done. So I wouldn't necessarily do that alone. Even if um, you're single and you need to bring in a really good friend or I had, um, I had, a, <laughs> this isn't with sentimental items. This is that kind of a side tangent, but I had a coworker that I was working with at one point and I had her come help me because she was a brutally honest person. <laughs> and so it was just kind of nice to have, second opinion and one that I with her was brutally honest and just kind of going through some of the stuff at that point so I just think that you don't have to necessarily go through some of these harder items on your own yeah yeah that's true it is sometimes much easier if you have someone there to kind of bounce bounce off of especially if you're emotionally attached sometimes the emotions aren't really necessarily rational or like not not as deep as you think they are if somebody's there to kind of ask you questions about it or or help you along the way. So for those who might be kind of looking around their house right now and wishing they had left stuff, but feeling incredibly overwhelmed or even anxious about the process, where would you suggest that they start? Absolutely. So I would say, and I feel like a broken record saying this, but I would always suggest <laughs> the bathroom because there is just very little pool to the items in the space for the most part. And I would say once you've gone through your bathroom, once you've condensed, pared down, you have that momentum to start going through the other rooms of your house. So maybe next you want to hit the kitchen. I would stay away, like I said, from all of the items that might be sentimental towards until the end. Even if you need to go do your backyard before you hit the sentimental items, just get, get that momentum and tell yourself like you can do this, you can pare down, you can declutter. And, and also in regards to the bathroom, if you are starting there, um, as I said, you're not going to have a lot of sentimental items in there, but you might have a lot of artwork or excess bottles of shampoo and conditioner. So I'd say you want to pare those down. And with the artwork, those are just more surfaces that you're having to clean. And so I'd say maybe pull those out for 30 days and see how you like your bathroom, maybe not as decorated and with the little things on the counter of the sinks. So again, that's not sentimental, but it's just like another tip that I have for the bathroom space. 
Now, you've shared so much as far as the tips for just going through the sentimental items. When we're going through kind of more the regular items, do you have a process that you work through or do you kind of work room by room? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'm just curious what your method is as far as, you know, just decluttering in general. Mm -hmm. So I would say, like I said, for us, I feel like we're constantly paring down. So I don't necessarily have an exact rhythm. But I would say for those that are initially beginning this journey, maybe just say, I'm going to spend 20 minutes on this box. And that's all I'm going to, I'm going to take 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and I'm going to get through this box and I'm going to find a home for everything in this box. And then I'll be done for today. And then I'll set a time to when you're going to do it. Don't make it overwhelming to yourself. Cause like I said, I think the biggest thing you need is momentum. And maybe if after you've done your 20 minutes, if you feel like you do want to do 20 more minutes later that day, like go for it. But I think sometimes we can overwhelm ourselves and have pull everything out on a weekend. And then it just does feel so overwhelming. And I just would stay away from that. I just, the reason I'm saying one box at a time is because my husband and I, again, with the quarantine, we're starting to go through a few things from, we have just recently moved and I had this one box that I've been meaning to go through in the basement. So I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to put my headphones in, listen to a Mm -hmm. podcast and all this stuff is going to get sorted through. I'm going to toss what we're not going to use anymore. Any like random technology, there was like a box of old computer stuff. I was like, this is going to find a home or it's gone. And then I was done with that for the day. Cause I had other things to do. I I'm trying to homeschool and just be <laughs> a handsome mom right now. So yeah, I would just say maybe start small and build from there as you get confidence. Yeah, definitely. I think one benefit of that too, is that you don't make such a mess. <laughs> like sometimes we get these big ambitions and we pull everything out of our closet and then we realize we're not going to be able to go to sleep because our bed is piled full of clothes and we don't have the time to finish. So what, what should we do then? Cause there's always a mess that comes with it. So taking it in smaller chunks is a lot more manageable in that sense as well. You don't have to necessarily finish a huge project to feel real productive. And I also think that you get better at it. Like you said, just sitting down with your headphones on and going through that one box probably felt pretty simple to you because you've done this before. And so, you know, if you start with just a junk drawer and you get good at that, you're going to start getting better at it and kind of build on your, your success a little bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The only thing that I would say in regards to your closet, I guess it depends on how big your closet is. Maybe you could kind of put that into small steps as well. I had a smaller closet when I did this maybe three or four years ago, but I actually did pull everything out at that point, everything that was hanging at least. And I went through thing by thing, just looking at it. And I'm not like a big Marie Kondo, does this spark joy? But the idea of when I was holding it, if I was not into the outfit at all, it went to the side. It was, it was done. It needed to be donated. And then I had a maybe pile and then I had certainly pile. And then the maybe pile was actually when I pulled that friend over and I tried on all the maybes for her (laughs) and she kind of helped me go through those things. And it was really actually kind of a fun process and experience. And like I said, I think one of the biggest things with all of this in regards to sentimental items or just minimalism and decluttering in general is just being realistic because you know how long you've kept something that you don't use and there's no reason, like I said, to have the weight mentally, emotionally of that item taking up space in your home or in your brain, if it's not going to be something realistically that you're going to use or wear or eat or fill in the blank. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Diane, you've shared so many little nuggets. And I know that just from listening to this episode, there's going to be things that people can take and go ahead and get started, which I always love because I want it to be actionable for people when they take their time to listen. But if you could just like pinpoint one thing that you hope each listener walks away with from this episode, what would that one thing be? Yeah, I would. Well, I hope this was beneficial. I should say that to start off with, but I would just say that you can pursue living with less, even if it does take steps, like I said. So really, really do start small and start in that bathroom. And I think that you'll surprise yourself to see how much less you can live with than you think. And I think that we have just, as a culture, bought into the lie that marketers are trying to sell you. I was a marketing major. Uh, my, I don't have the full degree because I decided to do teaching instead. But anyways, <laughs> I was a marketing major at one point and that their whole job to do is to sell to you. They want to make you feel like you don't have enough, that you have to keep up with the trend. Um, even if they don't believe that themselves, that's what they're trying to sell to you. So I think, again, if you can be realistic and bring yourself back to that mentality that it is counterculture, but you can live with a lot less than you ever have expected and it feels so good. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. You kind of have to get to a certain point to really start to feel how good it feels. But once you do, you really won't go back to buying all the stuff. So definitely. So how can listeners find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I love Instagram as most of us do, <laughs> but I'm at Minimalist Moms Podcast or on Facebook at The Minimalist Moms. And then if you're more curious about me personally, I'm at Diane Bowden, but yeah, Minimalist Moms Podcast is where I hang out on Instagram. My podcast is The Minimalist Moms Podcast and that's available on Spotify, iTunes, and I, I, doing that for a few years now. It's really fun. I do an interview style most of the time, but yeah, that's where I hang out too. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure to link to all those things in the show notes for the listeners. And again, Diane, it's just been so much fun to chat with you today. And I thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that was Diane Bowden from the Minimalist Moms podcast. And I hope you got a lot out of that episode and just enjoyed the conversation with her. I always love chatting with her and other moms just to get their perspective and hear what Simple Living is doing for their life in hopes to inspire you just a little bit as well. So if you've been struggling to get rid of some of that sentimental clutter, I hope that you will take this as a, a little bit of a challenge, a little push to get some of that out of the way because you will feel such a burden lifted when you are able to declutter some of those harder things. So hopefully you got some great tips from Diane from this episode and that you can take those and run with them a little bit. Don't forget to sign up for the Simple Home Decluttering Challenge. You can find that by going to athomewithkids.com forward slash decluttering challenge and get all signed up and be on your way to decluttering. Hopefully you have a little extra time right now where you can get started with that. Thank you again for listening today. It's always such a pleasure having you here. And if you're getting any value out of this podcast and you enjoy the episodes, I would love if you would take a minute to share this with a friend. Tell somebody else who might be needing to hear this message that 
could simplify their life or make it better in some way, just share this podcast with a friend or share it on Instagram or somewhere you think would be valuable. And please leave a rating and review on iTunes. I love reading those and it does help this podcast reach more people and just have a bigger impact. So thank you so much again for listening and I can't wait to talk to you next week. You just listened to an episode of The Simple Home. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I feel truly honored to be a small part of your life. Please take a moment to give a rating and write a quick review on iTunes. That will help this podcast reach more people and I appreciate the feedback. We meet here every week, so hit subscribe so you know when the newest episode goes live. And for more practical tips on simplifying motherhood, visit athomewithkids.com. I can't wait to talk to you next time.